This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome back, everyone, to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam Camp. I'm your host, and I'm being joined as is always the case, <laughs> by Richard Blackaby. Good, good to be to with you. you, Sam, this beautiful morning. It is a beautiful morning. We're getting a bit of a cold snap here in a, in a Georgia spring. It's uh, unseasonably cool. Yeah, it's like a nice Canadian summer day. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, we've just wrapped up a um, coaching workshop that we do. Uh, we do about two of these, sometimes three or three or four a year. And uh, we just had a great group of folks uh, yeah. in, in Jonesboro. To yeah. do, uh, and you, you spoke at the workshop and seemed like it was a good time. Yeah, it was. And, uh, and you know, uh, I think so many people would benefit from just some basic leadership uh, coaching skills, just how to ask yeah. good questions, how to read people, how to be in tune with the spirit and what he's wanting to do in someone's life, uh, whether you're a parent, uh, just a church member that wants to make a difference in the way you interact with people. But it's great. You can drop in twice a year. We do it here at uh, at our headquarters, basically, or in, the, in, in Jonesboro. And we've got two outstanding coaches that do a lot of the teaching for that. Yeah. And then I drop in and do some stuff as well. Yeah, it's always it's always an encouraging time. And uh, We'll have one in the fall, and it's yeah. going to be already. I think there's a lot signed up for that. But Always happy to have a few more. Yeah, maybe a few more spots left for that. But yeah. uh, you can find out more at blackandbecoaching.org. Uh, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, oh, you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> I probably say that every time now that I think about it. But, um, you know, we've, we've said this since we started, but if you have questions for Richard or just in general... You can email us, uh, podcast at blackaby.org, and we're happy to uh, try and respond to those on a podcast yeah. if we have time and if it's sort of in the vein of what we do here. Um, so to that end, we had a, a good friend of ours, a friend of the ministry, listener, uh, Verna Verity. Oh, yeah, Canada. Verna. All the way from Red, well, Red Deer, Red Deer. Alberta, Canada. Yeah, so, so far, far north. <laughs> We love um, our Canadian listeners. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And Verna especially, because she just adores the puns that I post on well, social media. <clears throat> you know, there's uh, we we can't be perfect. You know, we all have flaws, <laughs> and certainly that is one of hers. But uh, she uh, was was reading a, a, a biography on a prominent uh, uh, Christian leader. And it started talking about the the price that his family paid for his ministry. And so it just sort of um, raised some questions for Verna. And uh, so I think what we're going to do is take this time to kind of go through some of these questions that, um, you know, apply not only to those in ministry, um, but but to those in leadership who are trying to do something, trying to make a difference with their life and in their career and in their work. And how does that uh, tie into family and, and, and what should your responses be? So to start off, um, how should a family be willing to sacrifice? How much should a family be willing to sacrifice for the work of God? What do you do when the spouses or family members are not on the same page? Yeah, And we could take probably a podcast on each of these questions, but for the sake of time, we'll try and just... Uh, Hit hit them all on yeah, this. Yeah, uh, that's a great uh, question, and uh, I I did look at uh, what uh, Vernon said, and um, 
um, you know, the, the, I guess uh, what motivated that was just the fact that this uh, prominent Christian leader from the past was uh, doing everything he felt that God wanted him to do, but his kids were paying the price. And yeah. he was away a lot. He was uh, involved with other people. He was very much engaged in the work that he felt God had given him. But but the fact was his kids were rebellious. His spouse uh, was facing challenges without him being around as much as she may have thought he should have been. And so there's a real tension there when you feel like, uh, whether it's because it's just your job and you're earning a living, uh, or whether, especially if you feel like God is the one who's called you to that job and you're doing God's work, um, what do you do when all of a sudden your spouse or your kids are falling apart or saying, Hey, we need you more. And, um, and boy, I tell you, I've, I've been there and, uh, I've been around a lot of people who have, um, and there's much that uh, could be said about that. One is just that it is very, uh, especially I could just tell you as a man, as a, a driven man, a, a person who wants to do well, who wants to be successful at what he's called to do, uh, it can be very uh, seductive uh, and attractive to just pour yourself into something, especially if what you're doing you're good at and you're yeah. having some success and people are you know thanking you for what you've done and and uh, i think if you if you layer on top of that a sense of a calling yeah as well yeah it's um you know where you feel like well i'm not just out here just chasing after filthy lucre i'm uh uh this is what god's called me to do he's wired me to do this i'm being obedient to what god told me to do uh, and lives are being changed and the world is being made a better place. Uh, boy, I tell you, it's hard then to say, uh, but, but I have to stop. I was saving the world, but I, I can't do that anymore because my wife needs me or you know, my kids need more attention. Um, so, but I, I would say that because God's called you to what you're doing, he, he, you have to always remember God also, in, in fact, probably uh, previously he called you to be married and to have a family. And so those are callings too. And we yeah. sometimes we forget that. We, we feel like, yeah, but I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be the CEO of this company. And I would say, well, that may be so, but you're also called to be a father and a husband or a wife. And, uh, and you've got to also be successful at that. And, and that role actually is a lifetime role uh, being yeah. a pastor, being a CEO, you may only do that for a decade or less, uh, in that particular place, but it's a lifetime assignment, uh, to minister to your spouse, your kids. So, um, you know, I would say, be sure to just, first of all, from the, the leader's side of things, I would say really take a careful inventory to say, yeah, it's, as, as we've said often, with God, it's not just what you do that matters, it's how you do it. And you can do the right thing the wrong way. So you can be fulfilling your calling, but you can do it in a way that harms your family. Yeah. Or you can fulfill God's call in your life and do it in a way that blesses your family. So um, so it's not just a matter of, well, God called me to be a pastor, so I'm just going to neglect my family and do what God called me. They just me. need to get on board. And yeah, and if they don't, calling. you know, like... Uh, I'll go on without them. Um, and that's not, that's not the way, that's not how God wants you to lead. So, 
the moment that I begin to feel like there's some pressure, tension in, on my, in my family because of how I'm leading, then I need to stop and say, well, maybe I need to lead differently. Mm-hmm. It, it, it may not mean I've got to quit being a pastor or a CEO or a leader, but it may mean that I need to lead differently. Uh, and so first of all, just recognize that there's, there's more than one way to lead. And there are seasons in our leadership, which we've talked about before. Yeah. And so sometimes, uh, maybe your spouse is just in a more vulnerable place in their life right now. And, um, it doesn't mean you have to always hang around the house as much as you need to right now. Uh, but for this season, you need to be there for your spouse. Yeah. And when they get back on their feet and they feel better and they're, uh, in a healthier emotional state, well, maybe you can, you'll be away a little bit more. And same with your kids. If you've got kids that are struggling, maybe as teenagers, uh, well, there are times where you back off, maybe travel, uh, you just intentionally spend more time around them. Uh, but you'll be an empty nester one day or you'll, there'll be just different seasons where they'll, they don't need you as much, or at least your presence as much. Yeah. Uh, and so a wise leader is always dealing with that balance. Um, but I would say, especially in Christian ministry, you can't really go on without your family. So if you neglect your family and lose them, you may also lose your ministry. Yeah. And so, uh, to say, well, uh, and and people at times have said, well, my family is keeping me from doing my ministry. I, I would say, well, your family is your ministry. And yeah. if you don't minister to your family, you won't have a church ministry either. So, uh, don't, don't resent the fact it's not just a diversion. Um, many times it's, um, a high calling to say, if you can't take care of the little, if you can't take care of the people right in front of you, then how can you be entrusted with people in a broader scale? So there's a lot there, but I would just say that, um, especially driven people, we don't always read the, we don't always recognize the lights that are flashing on the dash, the warning lights, there's trouble until our kid suddenly is out of control or our wife is saying, I'm just worn out. I, you, are you going to be gone again? And um, and so those often, although you can kind of resent that, I, I'll just be honest with you. There were times when I was in my drivenness that I just kind of resented the fact that my family might cause me to have to slow down, uh, which is a terrible thing. I'm not proud of that, but, yeah, yeah. but when you're really driven and you're going 90 miles an hour and you're getting lots of accolades from your work, uh, to think, well, I've got to spend the evening, uh, just help my kid with his homework when I really want to write this book that I'm working on. Uh, you know, it's sometimes I think we, our family helps us to slow down and we do need, we need to slow down and they're the, the, actually the means in which God uses to get us to. So you got to pay attention to them. And so, uh, you know, on the, on the flip side, I think the family also needs just to be aware that, uh, you, you have to earn a living. You, you want to do a good quality work. Um, and you're trying with the best of intentions to follow through with what you sense God wants you to do. So hopefully they can understand that, but, uh, but you may need to make some adjustments so that you, you minimize, uh, the discomfort they have to experience for you to do that. Yeah. And I think ultimately it comes down to communication with your partner and with your family, because Mm -hmm. you know, what works for one driven high-performing individual in his family may not work for yours. And so yeah. 
Like that's that's a very uh, tailored issue in some ways. I think to 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 just depending on the family dynamics, what what makes sense. And just because one person doesn't doesn't mean it it's going to be what works for you. And so keeping that communication open with your spouse. Well, the next question um, is uh, how would you change the culture of an organization uh, that still feels like they need to have 24-7 access to the leader, especially a pastor? How do you influence a culture, um, the culture of the staff who think they need to be available all the time to their to their people or to their congregation, this sort of constantly on mode? Yeah, and that's another good question. I know certainly in churches that's a big issue. Yeah, which I would say that probably ties into the first one. Yeah. If, if, if that's the culture, then yeah. you know, the family dynamic is going to be an issue. And there's a lot there. You know, when you're, when you're pastoring a smaller church or you're leading a smaller organization, uh, you can be much more accessible and you can spend time and hang out and go for lunch and walk the hallways and be available to folks. And, uh, and you build this camaraderie and uh, you, you get to really love on your staff and invest in them. And, and, and there is some great value in being smaller where you have uh, the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to grow, you can't, you can't always lead that way. Uh, it doesn't mean you don't still care about people, but it means that you've got to be a little more protective of your time. Uh, you can't just spend all morning talking to one staff person. If you've got a hundred of them, you've got, you've got to cover the ground. And, uh, and at the same time, uh, that open door policy, I, I, when I ran a seminary, when I was a pastor of a church, uh, I've always tried to keep my door open, um, and available, but, uh, I got to a certain point, especially when I was running a seminary where I, I, I didn't necessarily just want to encourage spontaneous, um, just kind of drop, drop in my door at any, you know, a thought yeah. crosses your mind. Well, I'll just run up and, you know, walk into the president's office and see what he thinks about this. Um, just lay on, lay this on you and tell me what your thoughts yeah, are. Yeah. I, I began to say, uh, listen, I want to be available to you, but I, I, I've got a full schedule all day long. Yeah. And, and uh, if I don't have someone in my office, it may mean that I need this hour to prepare for the class I'm teaching in the next hour or, or something. And so, uh, I, what I try to do is, uh, to communicate and create a culture that said, make an appointment. And I, and I, and, and so my administrative assistant would often do that and say, uh, when someone just showed up at her desk that was outside my office, they'd say, Oh, I, I need to talk to Richard about something. And she would be trained to say, listen, if you, if you need to see Richard, you can always see him, but we just need to get it on his calendar. So can you come back tomorrow morning at 10? Um, and I was trying to subtly send a message. I am available. If you need to talk to me, you can, but not necessarily just on, on the, the spur cuff, of the yeah. moment. And you, because you're interrupting, like my whole day is always planned. I, I, there's always something I'm doing. So I want to teach you to be prepared. And, and of course, and, and, and it's like this in the church as well. People, a thought crosses their mind. So I'll just call the pastor. I'll, I'll just call the staff person. And they haven't thought about it and they haven't stopped to think, well, it is probably dinner time. That might not be a good time to call, but, or it is the evening. He's, you know, I, I, he was at, at the office all day when I could have checked with him, but I didn't think of it then. But now that he's home with his family, I'll just call him now. Uh, and so uh, you, you do need to 
and there are just people like that that yeah. will will not think about you. When you when you did that, did you find the quality of those meetings would be better because yeah. now they the people who scheduled the meeting with you had to actually think and prepare for right. what it is, and, and not I, just sort of. And they may know that in my my system, I'd say, "Hey, Rich is available to you. It's not that he won't talk to you. In fact, he can schedule usually within the week. He can." sit down with you but uh you know what he's only got 30 minutes right now so uh or like next monday he's got 30 minutes so uh so you've got a couple of days to be thinking about what you need to talk about you need to distill the the what you need you know what what the essence of the problem is and when you come in the the clock's ticking uh because not because he doesn't value you that you're not an important person but there's a bunch of other important people that he's scheduled all day as well and so his next one is 30 minutes from now so get focused don't chit chat and chase rabbits and talk about the weather come in and he's going to address that and and that's the same and sometimes pastors feel like they can't do that in a church um but uh you can and for me Everybody knows if sometimes I'll just tell people when they when they want to just kind of bounce something off me in the hallway. I'm I'm just on my way in from uh, lunch and they see me walking and they want to tell me, ask me a question. Sometimes I'll say, listen, why don't you put that in an email to me? I'd like to be able to, you know, I'm sitting here cold turkey trying to just think of a response. I'd rather you put the issues down, put the numbers down for me in an email that that's requiring some work on their part, and it, sometimes people just want you to do all the work for them, and you're not you're not doing them or yourself any favors when they just want to t- lob something to you in the spur of the moment and leave it up to you to mm-hmm. do all the heavy lifting. So, I would often say, um, look, put that in an email. Let me look at it. I'll get back to you. And now the key is, you have to get back. And yeah. and so for me, I always answer emails. I always answer phone messages. Um, I might not do it, but, but so if I, if you call me at dinner time and I don't, and, and I, I'll listen to the message. I won't answer the phone if I'm having dinner with my wife. I'll, but I'll listen to the message afterward. If it's nothing crucial, then I'll probably just call you the, the next day and during work hours and answer your question or, or a lot of times I'll even send an email. I'll just answer you with an email. You, if you just wanted to know some information, uh, I'll just send it to you by email so that I don't waste extra time chit-chatting. I just give you what you need to know. Yeah. Um, and so they know full well. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you is you can't just snap your fingers and have the boss always at your beck and call to talk for as long as you want. But if you have if you have a need, if you have a question, within 24 hours, typically you'll hear back from me and I'll, I'll have your answer or give you a response. So that's not, if you, there's nothing gracious or Christ-like about people thinking that they should always have 24-hour access to you. Uh, but if you're their pastor, if you're their leader, uh, they should know that within a reasonable amount of time, you will respond back to them. You know, even even my mother, uh, I've had to talk with her. She'll, she, a thought crosses her mind. She wants to talk to me about it. She picks up the phone and calls, but it's right at my dinner time. And I, my wife and I are just having our, our one time all day long where we sit down and we talk and get caught up. And so I see this, my mother calling. I know that 95% of the time it's not an emergency. Uh, so I'll finish up with my wife. And when I'm done and we, we part ways for the evening or the next hour or two, 
uh, I'll sit down, I'll call my mom back. And I've told her, I've said, mom, if, if I know you, if you back in the day were having dinner with your family and the phone rang and your husband got up and left to answer the phone, even if it was from his mother, you'd be, you'd be miffed that he left the dinner table, stopped interacting with his family to take a call. So I said, knowing that that's how you feel, I know that you will respect the fact that I'm not going to do that to my wife. Yeah. So, but you, you also know that if you leave me a message, you will hear back from me. I will call you before the evening's done. You're my mother. I won't wait long, but I won't stop my meal uh, because you just suddenly wanted to tit chat. So, you know, I, I think you, the people that don't do that uh, are people that are too concerned about pleasing people and uh, instead of taking control of their schedule. Yeah. And, and if you don't take control, other people will, and right. people will abuse it over and over again, calling you at, at any whim of a thought. And uh, you just need to be in charge of your own schedule, and, and you need to set the priorities of what you're working on. And we are such a distracted people as it is that we can't just, we, we need to find ways to focus, whether it's with people, with projects, and you can't let yourself just be constantly interrupted by anybody that just wants your time. So there's a lot there. You're protecting yourself, but you're also teaching all those you work with how to be prepared themselves and yeah. to be respectful of your time uh, and uh, to do their own homework so that when they do talk to you, they're ready to, to, to get to the task at hand. Well, good. Let's take a quick break here and we'll wrap up when we come back. God's people keep praying for God to transform Washington, Hollywood, or Wall Street, but revival always begins with God's people. If there ever was a time America needed spiritual reawakening, it's now. Currently, 70% of churches have plateaued or are in decline. More than two-thirds of young people who grew up attending church are leaving the faith before they graduate college. In The Solomon Promise, best-selling author Henry Blackaby shares the path to a renewal of faith in America and the restoration of holiness to God's people. Order now at blackabystore.org. Links will be in the show notes. Sort of the last question that we talked about, uh, sort of being in charge of your own schedule and, and making sure you're making the most of your time, kind of falls nicely into this next question of how do we know if we're shirking responsibility by by being busy uh, versus being truly on mission with God? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I think uh, if you if you allow yourself to be dominated by everybody else's needs, it can seem like you're too busy. Yeah, and that's why I think you have to take control of your schedule because otherwise, you, yeah, your, your schedule will always be full. And I've said this before, I, I remember over the years, some some people would, would, every time you saw them, they were scurrying about, uh, and they kept complaining about how how swamped they were, yeah. and yet you had no idea what they did. Like you never saw any results, you never saw any fruit. Uh, but they were in this meeting, or they were on their 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 computer doing something. But uh, you 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 wondered, but th there's no impact, there's no results. So um, so for me, uh, being busy, no no one is paid to be busy. There's yeah. no one's job description that says you will be busy. Um, and because, but everyone wants to justify their eight hours a day and everybody, no one wants to be thought of as not busy. So we like to talk about that, but, but I tend to want to look at fruit. Uh, what, what, what's the fruit? What's the, what, and really results. Uh, so what results is my busyness getting? And, uh, yeah. because sometimes, 
what happens is we we're we are just we've allowed secondary matters to just totally hijack our schedule, and so we're running from meeting to meeting that that are that are accomplishing nothing. But boy, they fill up our schedule, yeah. and we and so and people can be the same way. Uh, if you let people constantly hijack uh, your day, at the end of the day, you feel exhausted from all the people you've interacted with, but there's nothing done, nothing accomplished. So yeah. I have to kind of look at that and say, if I let myself get hijacked from an important project I actually was doing, is that wise? Um, and sometimes I need to just reflect on what it is that's filling up my day, and I need need to do some weeding where I just weed out a bunch of yeah unnecessary, unproductive activities that are robbing me of really getting some important stuff done. And I think uh, sort of in conjunction with that is is the question of how do we know when we've gone too far? How do we course correct and set good guardrails of cons- uh, consistently? Yeah, and the problem is if you have prided yourself in being available to everybody who calls you on the slightest whim, uh, then you're going to have to put out some messages. Uh, and, and some of that is just don't answer your phone all the time. Let it go to voicemail, weed it out. And, and I've had people literally that called way too much. And so I just, I saw that it was them. I, I realized the last five times they've called, it's not been crucial. I'm yeah. going to let that go to voicemail and uh, on purpose. And then uh, I may email them back. Uh, I've done that a number of times. Sometimes people on, on the phone, they just chit-chat and they waste yeah. a lot of time. They just want to shoot the breeze. Uh, and I've had people literally call and then they forgot why they called. But they uh, And that drives me crazy. So, <laughs> so I'll let that go to voicemail. And then if there actually was a question somewhere embedded in that long, rambling voice message... I'll just email and say, hey, sorry, I got your message. Uh, here's here's the, what you needed. And then they start to get the message. Look, if, if, you're, if you're trying to communicate with people, you don't keep interrupting them throughout the day as you finally remember what it was you want to talk about. Yeah. And so I, I like emails because emails don't go on and on and on. There's you not can, a, yeah, there's not a lot of opportunity for chit chat. Uh, yeah. And it's like, it's a, I mean, it's there's times you need to have face to face, but if it's just a matter of questions, you know, like I remember one time a guy, and there's just some people who just love to talk. So I had a, I had a pastor one time that he he called and he 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 was like he um he wanted to know when i was i think when i was going to land so he could pick me up so just call me back well i just emailed him it's like i'm arriving at this time and uh and then he wanted to keep calling though uh to to talk and it's like why why would you do that like here's the information here's the flight number the arrival time here's everything you need to know uh, and so I just sometimes just hold my guns and just say, look, I'm not going to get tied up into an hour long chit chat conversation when a one minute email will give you everything you need. Like, I'm going to be with you. We'll, we'll spend time together over meals and driving in the car. We'll, we'll have face to face time. So let's wait until then to do our face to face visiting. So, uh, but, uh, so, you know, you, as leaders, you have to ultimately be responsible. And certainly if you have an administrative assistant, they can be great at protecting you and yeah. just driving people to be organized. And, and there literally are people that will just want to walk in and they're, they're not focused. They're not even sure what they need to ask you. They, they have a problem and they just want you to sort of fix it for them. 
and I drive them back to say, you, you think on this first, you come up with some proposals, you maybe write it out so that you, you focused your thoughts and now we can get to work on this. But I, I would, I, in the various jobs I've had, I've tried to let people know I'm a busy guy. I've got a lot of stuff I'm doing. I will give you time. I do care about you, but I don't have time to waste. So uh, I love you too much to waste your time or for you to waste mine. So yeah. uh, when we get together, let's be productive. And yeah. um, that's you can do that with a smile and with grace, but uh, but where it's clear you are protecting your time and you get down to, to business. And, and I've had to cut people off at times. They came in and they just started to ramble on and on and on. And, and as, at a certain point, you'd cut in and say, well, hey, listen, uh, uh, what did, did you say you had something we needed to work out or to figure out? And you just sort of announce, okay, let's get down to business here. Well, maybe one last question as we wrap up is how can you ensure your identity is coming from God and not from what we do or from our reputation? Yeah, I tell you, they're, they're, people pleasing is a huge issue for leaders. Yeah. We love to have people appreciate us and thank us and we solve their problem and it, boy, we're like Superman. Every time people have a problem, they come to us and we, we resolve it for them. But that can suck you into a, an endless kind of trap of people just constantly coming and needing you because, and they know that you'll always find time for them and you'll give them whatever they need. They can't get that from anyone else, but they know they can come to you and you'll, you'll solve their problem and it, it feeds your ego, but it's poor leadership. And it's, it will inevitably drive you to be doing secondary matters. So I've got to always look at, just, just take an inventory sometime, just audit how you spent a week of your time and not just what was on your calendar, but how long did you spend on that phone call? How long did you spend with people who just dropped in your office and, uh, or, or conversations over the, you know, by the drinking fountain and before long you realize, uh, wow, like why am I spending that much time? I, I didn't get this project done. I didn't get this report finished, but I spent all this time with talking to people and, uh, yeah. and then you realize, well, it's because I don't want, I, I, I want to be liked. I want them to like me and appreciate me. And I know that conversation was going way too long, but I just couldn't find a way to cut it off without fear that they might get their feelings hurt. So I just wasted an hour of my time because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Um, and as opposed to saying, I, I have a very clear sense of what God wants me to get done today. And I will just relentlessly, I, I, I'll be polite to people, be gracious, but they'll know that I'm, I'm busy and I don't have time to waste. So get to the point, tell me what you need, um, what's on your mind, uh, or send it in an email, but, um, but I've got work to do. And so, you know, it's, we, we assume that everything we do is for God, but the fact is a lot of us are driven by making people happy and like us. And there's nothing wrong with wanting people to like you, but that shouldn't drive your leadership. Mm -hmm. Your leadership needs to be driven by accomplishing your God given goals and assignments, not make everyone thinking that you're wonderful yeah well this has been good and uh again thanks to uh, verna for yeah. submitting the questions she also just mentioned that they she's got a group that wrapped up a study living out of the overflow um, yeah which is a great book that you've written and uh 
encourage others to check That's that a, out. And, I've I've had I just was actually with a group of pastors I dropped in with uh, that, that from Tennessee that it took a, a, a whole year just to walk through that one book as it there's just a lot of great scripture and truths in there and for a year they just work through yeah. those chapters and questions so sometimes well, if you're looking for a good study yeah. uh, that living out of the overflow is a great one for leaders yeah it really is and uh once again to to all those listening submit those questions if you've got them uh and we try to do our best to to answer those and and get them here on the podcast podcast at blackabee.org is the email address and until next time all right Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.